The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. The peace of Christ be upon you. Well, we have a, a little order of business today. We have a birthday. We don't always do this for every birthday, but I feel like it's appropriate since most of the birthdays come from over here. The head of all birthdays, it's Leah Redling's birthday. Stand up. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. And thank you for the way uh, you give your life uh, to our young people. Thank you. We are in the season of Advent and preaching a sermon series, The Gospel of Peace. And so today, we're still in Isaiah. Actually, through all of Advent, we'll be in Isaiah. And our text today comes from Isaiah 11, beginning in verse 1 up through 10. The word of the Lord. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt. And faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat and the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near a cobra's den. The young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for all peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. Let's pray. Father, as we await your word made flesh in our lives, May you birth your word in our hearts. May you birth your word in our lives. Not just in this moment, but as we go out and we live into the reality of your coming son. So today, as we await your word, bring it to us. And give us ears to hear and hearts to follow and lives to obey. And God, I pray for the gift of preaching this morning. It's in the name of of your word to us, Jesus. Amen. 
I'm going to be really honest with you. The past week and a half, I have not had much peace. Thanksgiving Day was fantastic for our family. We went to my brother's house and we had a great meal. We played games. We enjoyed being around each other. And then later on in the afternoon, you know, when you're between naps and watching football or whatever you do, the TV was on. And it just so happened, we weren't planning on this, but the 5 o'clock news came on. And I wasn't really paying attention too much, but my eyes glanced up at the screen. And they said, uh, here's a report. There's been an accident. There was a young man that stole a pickup truck near Stillwater. And he led uh, the police on a chase for about two hours. And going 100 miles an hour, he ran through a remote intersection where he didn't stop. And it just so happens that a car was driving through, and he hit the side of that car at 100 miles an hour. There were four people in the car, a mother and her child, the mother of, of uh, the mother who was driving. The mother was driving. Her mom was sitting in the front. Her grandfather was sitting behind him, and her child was sitting on the back of the passenger seat. It was sad news, but, you know, I didn't think much of it. You watch the news enough, and you get those stories. And then they said the name, and I don't know if I would have recognized the name because I didn't have much context for it, but then they flashed a picture of the mother who was driving who died, and my mouth dropped to the floor. It was one of my daughter's fourth-grade teachers. And if that wasn't bad enough, this same teacher was my son's fourth and fifth grade teacher. I ran and got Kim out of the other room, and I said, you, you got to come in and see this. And I didn't know whether to prepare her for it, or and I watched, and her mouth dropped to the floor, and she began crying. And we knew we had to tell our kids, but we didn't want to tell them there. So we actually had planned to go shopping for a little bit. We did that, and then we got home. And we told both of our kids. And we all cried together. Because you spend a lot of time with your teachers. And they're important in your life. As Kim said, it was one of the hardest things she's ever had to tell our kids. Well, the past week and a half, I haven't had much peace either. Because every time Kim or the kids get in the car and we're going to go meet somewhere, that flashes in my mind. Totally random. I guarantee she didn't even know what, know what hit her. By the way, her, her grandfather, who was in the back behind her, died. Her mother is in critical condition. Her son was at school on Monday with very minor injuries. But as I thought about my, every time my wife and kids got in the car, I had no peace about it. Because I could imagine that phone call. And there was just no peace. Yesterday, we went to the funeral in Stillwater. And her husband sat up front. By the way, she was 28 years old. Husband probably around the same age. Her son is four years old. And 
I, I watched, I was up in the front row on the side, just happened to be, that's where the usher sat us, so I could see her husband the whole time. In the whole funeral service, he just stared, the casket was right in front of her, he just stared at the floor. With no peace. And like our text this morning, Isaiah in the first 11 chapters uses imagery of a forest laid bare. I imagine his life was like a thick forest that was now laid bare and cut down. The imagery of the life of God's people in the book of Isaiah is like a mighty forest that has been laid bare and chopped to the ground. In fact, when Isaiah is called, at the end of his calling, in chapter 6, verse 11, he says this. Isaiah says to God, Then I said, For how long, Lord? And he answered, until the cities lay, lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the, the terebinth and the oak leave stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. See, what Isaiah is referring to is the invasion of the Assyrians about 720 some odd B.C. where they carry off the tribes of Israel to live in exile in Syria. And there's historical records about what that's like and the different captivities of Israel and how they just come and lay bare to the land to the temple, to houses, to fields. And there's imagery of God's people being carried off in captivity. And when we get to chapter 11, verse 1, it talks about that stump. This great forest which has been laid bare, devastated, in ruin, ravaged. Absolutely no peace. And it says this. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. And from his roots a branch will bear fruit. It is in this context of no peace. That a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. And of course, Jesse is the father of David, the great king that comes to rule over Israel. But this is not David's successor that he's talking about. This is not a king that comes from the line of David because he refers to this as the stump of Jesse, the father of David. This is what Isaiah is saying. God is doing a new thing. It is not a successor to David. It is a new David. And out of the context of devastation and no peace, shoot, will come out of that stump. 
they'll bear fruit. And this is what it says. It says, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the, of the knowledge, of the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. This is a picture of God's Messiah, full of wisdom, full of understanding, full of knowledge. And this wisdom and understanding and knowledge will be expressed like this, that he will judge and he will judge by what, not what he sees or what he hears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. And what it's talking about there is that he's not going to look at people, at their appearances or what they say, because you can be deceived by what people say and appearances are deceptive, but he in his wisdom is a discerning king and can discern right to the heart of the matters. He can see motives even when those motives are hidden by appearance or by words or by lies. He can actually see what is going on and he can just judge justly and make it right. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips. He will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. His instrument of his reign on earth, the instrument of this Messiah is his word. And his intimate clothing that he wears is his goodness. He reigns with his word, and when you see them, all you see is faithfulness and goodness, and righteousness. Because out of this devastation, where there is no peace, and only a stump, a shoot comes up that will bear fruit. Isaiah makes a pretty radical turn at this point. He changes all the imagery there's lots of imagery in Isaiah, but at this point, beginning of verse 6, he changes. He changes to the animal kingdom, actually. And he says this, the wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, the young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like an ox. Wolf and lamb, leopard and goat, lion and calf, cow and bear. And I see this great imagery, and this is what I think. That is crazy. It's just crazy imagery. In fact, it's imagery that struck me at one point. Uh, you may have seen this on the news a month or so ago. I'm, I'm not sure, but if we can play this video, see if you, you've seen this news report. Well, here's some really crazy video that's getting a lot of attention. It shows a woman up close and personal to a lion at the Bronx Zoo.
This is one of those don't try this at home stories. She is inside the lion exhibit just feet away from the big cat. You can see the woman waving and motioning toward the lion as it just stared at her. The Bronx Zoo tells us the woman climbed over a visitor safety barrier at the African lion exhibit Saturday. They call her actions a serious violation and trespassing that could have resulted in a serious injury or even killed her. We'll have more on this story on CBS 2 News at yeah, that was pretty serious. That was seriously crazy. Yeah, stupid. It was really stupid. Now, there was a, a large moat between her. But if you haven't figured out already, I lived in Africa. I've seen lots of lions. I've seen tree climbing lions. And in one leap, 10 feet. That was pretty stupid. That didn't make any sense. But what's interesting is that he goes on a little bit further. And he talks about, and the calf and the lion and the yearling will be together. And a little child will lead them. And this is not talking about Jesus. This is talking about any infant, any infant child. And I look at that imagery and I think, that is crazy. This idea of a, a small child leading, leading, leading a lion or a leopard or a wolf. In fact, there's another video that I found that uh, uh, really kind of demonstrates the craziness of what it would be like for a, a small child to lead a lion. On one hand, that's a really cool video. On the other hand, that's like an engineering uh, mistake waiting to happen, that glass. And while it captures your attention, and I have no idea who that mom is, and I don't mean to throw shade on, but I'm like, what is that mom thinking? Right? Did you feel the fear a little bit, even though you knew the glass was there? That lion was on the hunt. It was looking for breakfast. And not only she put her child in front, she then goes put her, even the smallest, most vulnerable child in front of that lion. We've never let our children near a lion like that. I'm not even sure most of us would even let our child go stand in front of that window, 
you'd be a little nervous. We cringe at the video of a child being stalked by a lion behind thick glass. Yet, Isaiah's vision of God's reign in the world looks like a young child leading a wolf, a leopard, and a lion. The weakest and the most vulnerable among us not threatened at all. Because when the stump, when that shoot comes out of the stump of Jesse, and when the Messiah comes into the world and reigns with wisdom and understanding and a fear of the Lord, when he reigns with justice and righteousness and faithfulness, the world looks like peace. Maybe even more disconcerting is not this lion imagery. Because lions we can enjoy on some level. But most of us don't enjoy the next kind of imagery. Verse 8 and 9, the infant will play near the cobra's den. And the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Unfortunately, I have a few snake stories my past. I know, get ready. If you need to leave the room, it's fine. I won't hold it, hold you. But, uh, of course, one of them has to, I have several in Uganda, but one of them has to do with Uganda. So, one night, Kim and I are expecting some guests who are going to stay with us that are from a nearby village. I think they're going to have a doctor's appointment next morning in town, so they're going to stay with us. It's my good friend Stephen Weiswa and his wife. And so, we have our front door of our house, and then we have a covered porch, and we have another door. And I hear their car, they, they pull up in the car, and so we open the front door, and they're already up on the porch, and they open the door into the covered porch, and I turn on the light, and I greet Stephen. I'm, I see something slightly move to my, my right, but I greet Stephen. I kind of walk out, and we greet one another, and then he turns, and he says, I think you have a snake. And sure enough, there is a six-foot cobra sitting in my covered patio, coiled up. As it turns out, we think it's a gold's tree cobra. I'm not a snake person, but that's the best I could discern what it was. And so, of course, he was nervous. I was nervous. And so the only response that a Ugandan would actually do is, is to kill the snake. That's what you do is you kill the snake. So... Stephen ran outside and grabbed a really big stick. I ran inside and grabbed the wiffle ball bat. <laughs> I don't know. This is what I thought of. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, but I grabbed a wiffle ball bat. So the snake had slithered in behind. I had like a tub on the ground, and the, the snake had slithered in behind that tub to get some cover. And so... Uh, I, what I did is I went out, and we were kind of looking around, and then I slowly, I kicked the tub in to pin the snake. And I was like, okay, Stephen, what's the plan? And he goes, I'm ready. I said, ready for what? I'm ready. 
I'm not understanding your plan. What do you mean you're ready? And he's got his stick. He's like this. He's, and he goes, just move the, the tub. And I said, that tub? Yes, the only tub in the room. Move the tub. You mean just like pull the tub away? Yes, I'm ready. Pull the tub away. I don't understand your plan. What do you mean? Like the snake's behind the tub. I've got the snake pin. This is not a good plan. Like this, this is your plan? He goes, yes, I'm ready. So I'm standing with my wiffle ball bat. And I, one, two, three, and I pull the tub away, and then there is wood and bark and blood and snakes flying around. It is chaos, and I'm literally standing like this, <laughs> trying not to get hit. He beat that snake with a stick, and I stood there with my wiffle ball bat. But Uganda's not the only place we experience snakes. A few summers ago, in fact, several summers ago, we were outside in the evening. It was a nice evening, and uh, my kids were jumping on the trampoline. And it must have been early summer or late spring because it had rained, right? So around the trampoline, you know, most trampolines that are new, ours no longer has this, but they have that pad that goes around right, where the, the springs are, right, so you don't fall through, and a protection if you fall, and well, it had rained quite a bit, and so our pad was a little old, and it had caught water, and it was kind of drooping down, right, in this area, actually where the, uh, the stairs were up onto the trampoline. Our kids were climbing up onto the trampoline. I don't remember which kid it was. I think maybe Noah or someone climbed on the trampoline and, and got on the trampoline. He stopped, and he turned around. He said, Dad, I think there's a snake on our trampoline. I said, excuse me? He goes, yeah, I think there's a snake down there. And sure enough, I go and look down, and down where it is drooping, there's water, and there's a three-foot snake in the trampoline. And my kids had just climbed right over that snake. Talk about playing in a cobra's den or sticking your hand in the viper's nest. Well, again, you're, you're seeing my ability as, a, as a, uh, an outdoorsman. I don't know what to do. I don't even know what kind of snake it is. So one, I'm trying to call my neighbor, who's kind of an outdoor guy that I think he would know. I can't get a hold of my neighbor. So then I think, I'm going to call Eric Thornhill. Some of you know Eric. He'll know what to do. And of course, no one answers my phone call. So I don't know what to do. So I get a shovel, and it takes me about 30 minutes to work up the courage. And then I finally just start hitting the snake, hitting the trampoline, the, the padded part, as hard as I can, and trying to pin that snake and trying to cut it as much as I can. And finally, I, I get the snake out of there, and I'm like, and you know with snakes, like once you kill it, it's still doing this. So like for an hour, I'm like beating the snake because I'm like, die, snake, die. And then, of course, about an hour after that, Eric calls me, and he was like, take a picture of the snake. I was like, okay, sicko. <laughs> take a picture. I sent it to him. He's like, oh, you killed it? I go, yeah, I killed it. No thanks to you. You didn't call me back. And he goes, no, you shouldn't have killed it. It's a rat snake. They're good. Yeah. 
I go, well, what was I supposed to do? It's like I could have come over and we could relocate it somewhere. Those are helpful. They eat rats. Well, probably most of you are like me. There is no good friendly snake. That is the best amen I've ever gotten at this church. But as crazy as, and my neighbor said the same thing. Oh, man, you shouldn't have killed it. If I was there, I could have relocated that thing. Those are really good, good around here. Those are good snakes. I didn't have the eyes to see that. And by the way, I'm not encouraging anyone to go lead a lion or to go handle a snake. That's not my point. But the imagery in this text, it's crazy to me. And I look at my neighbor and I look at Eric and I think, you're crazy. How are you going to, you're crazy, there's no good snake. I didn't have the eyes to see that that snake was my friend. Eric and my neighbor had a vision of the world. Now I realize it doesn't apply necessarily directly to Isaiah, but you'll get the point. Eric and my neighbor had a vision of the world in which the snake was my friend. I did not see it that way. I could not see it that way. All I knew was bite or be bitten. Injure or be injured. Hurt or be hurt. Control the situation or be controlled by it. But Isaiah has a vision that when God reigns in Jesus Christ, he has this crazy vision of lions and lambs. That goes against everything we think about, right? That's not the way the world is. Wolves and sheep. Leopards and goats. Children and cobras. Infants and vipers. For the knowledge of the Lord brings peace. That's Isaiah's vision of the word of the Lord made flesh. When he reigns, there's peace. And so this imagery is about deep, radical, limitless transformation in which we, who are lion and wolf and leopard and snake, we no longer hunger for hurting. We no longer have a need to devour one another. We no longer yearn for brutal control. We no longer have a passion for domination. We no longer need to injure. Because when Christ reigns, there is peace. That is his vision. But some of us in here, while we may resonate with 
lion and leopard and wolf and snake. Some of us in here may actually resonate with lamb and goat and calf and cow and infant. We may resonate with the vulnerable. We feel very vulnerable in the world. For many of us, we've been under attack by forces that wish to harm, injure, control, dominate, or devour us. So those that have lived with a sick loved one or someone that's lived with sickness for a long time, you may feel like a lamb. For someone that's battled mental illness or had a relative or a loved one who's battled mental illness, you may feel, you may feel like a vulnerable goat. For those of us who's lost a job or in financial trouble, you may feel like a young calf. For those of us that have been in relationships that have conflict and stress, you may feel like a child, vulnerable. Or for those that are just battling demons and spiritual forces that oppress you, you may feel like an infant, totally, totally helpless. But in verse 10 it says, In that day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for all peoples. The nations will rally around him and his resting place will be glorious. Jesus is the banner of peace for all people. And the nations will rally to him and find rest and peace. And for us today, as we gather around the tables, Christ's table is where his banner is firmly planted. It is the table for all people, for all nations to gather around. It's the table where they can find rest because at this table, Christ reigns and his reign is peace. That is his reign. And so if you need peace, if you feel like a lion or a wolf or a leopard or a snake, if you feel like your life is inclined to hurting and injuring others, yearning for control and domination, if, you, if your life has produced conflict, then come, come today to the table of peace. And if you feel like a lamb, a goat, a calf, a cow, or the vulnerable infant, if you have been under attack by forces that wish to harm and injure, control, and dominate, and even devour you, come. Come to God's table of peace. Welcome to the table of the Lord of peace.